and welcome back to another episode of ABA Unfiltered. I am your host, Tim Crilly, and today I'm having a very, very strong case of deja vu as we sit here ready to record this episode. Uh, full disclosure, it's been one that we've been trying to, to do for quite a while now, um, and we've run into a lot of technical issues along the way that have interrupted our ability to, to do that. So here we are once again, um, you know, here to, to chat and it, it's a friend of mine from Blue Sprague, Ivy Zwicker, and one of her friends that she was kind enough to introduce me to and, and bring into our little world, Jennifer Hines. So today they're here to chat again, but for the first time for you guys about sort of advice that, that they think about talking with, with families, maybe that are, that are beginning their journey um, uh, you know, sort of post-diagnosis, getting into the, the process of getting into therapy and, 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 and that sort of thing, but how they should be planning for the future. What sort of things um, from a, a, a parent standpoint should they be thinking about? And then also, you know, from a, from a resources, you know, what are the types of things out there that, that people should be, should be looking towards? So I'm really excited because it was a really great conversation that was, that was lost for all time. So this is sort of my white whale of um, interviews here, finally, finally getting, getting to, to, to make it happen. So I, Jennifer, will you, you take a minute and introduce yourself and, and give us um, all, all a taste of who you, who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So I'm Jennifer Hines. I'm a board certified behavior analyst. I've been in the field with uh, neurodevelopmental disorders for over 25 years. Um, I'm currently the state neurodevelopmental specialist for vocational rehabilitation in the state of Texas. We work under the um, Texas Workforce Commission. And more importantly, I am a mama of a 26 year old with autism. And so I can share some of my own experiences of getting him to transition to adulthood. Ivy, how about you? Thank you, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Jennifer. Yes, and third time's the charm. I believe this is this is gold, Jerry. Third time. So I am Ivy's Wicker. I one one uh, quick one quick. Uh, <laughs> that's a reference uh, uh, for you, Lucas. That's another Seinfeld reference. I think that might be the third that has occurred on uh, ABA Unfiltered that you were unaware of. So producer Lucas, I like to translate anything from the 90s for him. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of the 90s, I started in this field um, about 23 years ago. Um, and uh, and it, it was it was a very, it's a beautiful program. It still exists. It's Autism Treatment Center. And uh, it's specifically geared for children and adults with autism. So in, in the topic of transition, when I started uh, in 98, there was a, a little boy that started as well and he was eight years old. And over those 20 years, you can imagine, I, I was able to see him go through his early adulthood, his teenage years, early adulthood and know him as the adult uh, he is today. So uh, very excited to um, participate in this topic and share some of the experiences and uh, resources that we have. That's great. And like I said, I, I've known Ivy for just over three years now. It's kind of crazy how time has flown by. Unfortunately, I haven't seen her in over a year other than you know, via the computer, but uh, Ivy's one of my, my real true work friends. So it's really fun to have you on here, Ivy. And you, know, you brought some, some real expertise to our team. And, you know, so I, I know, I know your insight is, is really important. And obviously, you know, a lot of people in the community, just like Jennifer. So it's really, it's really nice that you're able to sort of bring your world into ours, because I think that's one of the things that makes all of this 
possible that we're trying to do here is how many talented people can we get working on things collaboratively? So we're making sure that we're really giving these families the best possible information. So let's start there. You know, so Jennifer, in, in sort of your, it's up to you, how, however you want to sort of approach this conversation, whether it's more in your professional capacity, you as your put on your parent hat or, or a little combination of, mm -hmm. of, of both. But I think you obviously bring a very unique perspective to, to these questions. So when you kind of work with families and, and you know, the, the interaction you have, what, what's the, 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 the most sound advice you try to give people as it relates to what should they be thinking about? Uh, what questions should they be asking? Well, the first thing I would say is to be real is that there is no perfect way to transition to adulthood. You're going to mess up, you're going to mess up, period. And that's okay. There, so if you think that you have to have some kind of certain path, some there's a magic, you know, magic pill that's gonna get you to, you know, to X, Y, Z, there isn't. And so that's the beauty of it, is that you need to take one step at a time. If you have an eight-year-old, um, where do you wanna be in the next year or two? You know, is communication the key is, you know, having moving from parallel play to, oh, we actually initiate some play skills here. Right. That's a huge step when they're 15. Don't judge that they're 15 because it's a developmental disorder. They're really 11 or 12 when they're 18, 19 years old. They are not 18, 19. They are 14, 15. And so you have to keep that in mind. And developmental disorders, you know, they they always grow. And I, I don't like when I hear, oh, they just matured. Well, yeah, a little bit, but it's also a lot of work to get them and they mature in chunks. So, yeah. you know, it's like they're, you know, they're thinking, they're thinking, and then suddenly they leap up. So their progress is in these big chunks. So at 16, you might not see anything 17. And then you look around and you go, holy cow, at 18, you have made so much progress. And that's what people, parents need to keep in mind. Um, small steps, little changes. You don't have to take it all in one chunk. I mean, it's overwhelming as a parent to think. I have an, I have this 18 year old. What am I going to do now? School's going to end. I all this, all the resources I feel like I've had in place for all these years are going to end. Now, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And it can be panicky, right? But it's also when they're 18, 19 years old, you're tired. It's been a long journey. Sure. You've been fighting for a long time and then emotionally and physically, there's an exhaustion there. And so, um, but there's a way to get through it. I'm on the other side, you know, it's, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't, it, sometimes it was messy, um, but he's successful sure. and can do it. So Ivy, what do you think is the, one of the sort of lacking resources out there sort of in a, in a general sense? Like what are, what, what's a hole in this process? What are we missing as it relates to preparing, um, you know, even just early teens, adolescents to, what, what do you think is that missing missing piece? Like what, what, what could we as an industry be doing a little bit better as it relates to sort of preparation, whether it's for families or whether it's for that individual or, or a combination? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, just to Jennifer's point, transition, you know, we all go through it. And so I just kind of slowing, slowing this down and being realistic um, on on what, what we all have to go through. I mean, we have to think about, you know, just ourselves. Are we going to go to school? Are we going to get a job? How are we going to get places? Um, am I going to rely on transportation or, you know, how, how is this going to look 
for us. And so when you're, uh, you have a child on the spectrum, it, it's a little bit more complicated and it can be even more overwhelming. So I think really uh, slowing down and finding and discovering the resources in the community along with your public school system, because they're really um, designed to talk about this uh, through the IEP process. So something that I think uh, we underutilize, and Jennifer, you can let me know here, is a functional vocational assessment. I think it's important to slow down and discover what is this person, what does my child really enjoy doing? What is my child, um, you know, uh, trying to tell me there's, when you're talking about the spectrum, you have, you know, the spectrum. So some, some people are going to need, um, some support and some people, you know, you're really going to focus on having them be their own guardian when they turn 18 and their own self-advocate, or is this somebody who's going to need support? So I need to start thinking about who's going to be their legal appointed guardian or, um, and then what are they going to do? How are they going to have a meaningful life? And so, to Jennifer's point, it, what a child looks like at 13, 14, which is when schools are starting to talk about this, um, hopefully not for the first time, but generally it sure. is around that time. That was my next uh, question, can, so I'm glad it you're can touching be on that. It can absolutely be sooner, but it yeah. tends to be around that time and definitely better formed by the time they're 16. But right around then, you know, you can, you can start to have these thoughts around what is it what is it that they're, how's their life going to be meaningful? How's it going, how are they going to be happy and safe? So that could look totally different by the time they're 18 though, like exponential chunks, like Jennifer said. So I would say slowing down and exhausting all possibilities and um, really learning who's in the community. There's an incredible resources in the community, parent-led, uh, advocacy-led, families that have been there and are there to help people through their journey as they go through it, families that are going through it at the very same time you are. So that can have such a lift, just being a part of uh, who's out there. And then as your child develops, really starting to um, link to those resources. Jennifer, is that too late? Should, should school districts start these conversations earlier? Or is it too scary for parents and it might put them in a place where they're not really ready to process that? I think you should start processing when you know, you find out your child has a disability because yeah. it evolves, right? What are they going to need next year? What are they going to need in, you know, the following year? Do I think they need to decide their career vocational? No, yeah. they're way too young. And I do want to bring the point up that they typically, kids on the spectrum, have they struggle the most in high school. But the end of middle school, none of us like high school, none of us like middle school, right? But their hormones typically will make any anxiety they have, underlying anxiety, explode. Sure. And so sometimes what you're, you're looking at at 16, 17-year-old going, there's no way. Oh, my gosh. They may be able to be in a group home because they're having daily panic attacks. Or they can't even, you know, transition to their other class without a teacher helping them or having a five-minute break. Or and, and I felt the same way when, when my kid was 16, 17. We're having panic attacks because we, it was a brand-new school. We didn't have all the expectations and threatening to break a limb if I made him go to something new. Yeah. Fast forward 10 years later, this kid says, I want a job where I talk to people because I get bored. Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> where did you come from? And so you, you, but his anxiety was at a level that was not normal. It was hormones plus, you know, the autism plus, you know, the newness of just transitioning from a middle school to a high school. So we have to also 
remember that they're kids yeah. and that, you know, they're going to have that thing. If they have anxiety, which I haven't met, there's not one person on the spectrum I haven't met who doesn't have anxiety. And then you add hormones to it. So just being careful to not judge what that teenager looks like right then and think that's what I'm going to deal with as an adult, because sure. that's not the case. And you got to let them get through each year. Yeah. Um, and, and we talk about resources. So I'm vocational rehabilitation. So I have to mention that every state has a vocational rehabilitation department. It's federal and state. Um, how it's run is definitely different state by state, but it is um, because there was a federal laws that came down called WIOA, it really changed transition and put an importance on, on uh, transition age students. It used to be when I first started 10 years ago, it was kind of like when I graduated, they got a card. Ooh, here's this agency that can help you out, find a job, right? Well, that's too late. You have to have yeah. the bridge. The bridge has got to be there. So now this um, federal law says that, you know, state agency, you've got to pay 15% of all the funds we give you. You have to do pre-employment things. That means we're getting them prepared for employment. So now, um, Ivy, as you're talking about getting your resources together and talking about that vocational, well, this agency can now go in, in high school and give them work experiences. Just let them experience stuff. I mean, if they've been video game designers and they all think they want to be video game, just, you yeah. know, they want to go to video games, but they haven't experienced it. So they need to experience work. They need to get their first job, a summer job, you know, even if it's a few hours a week, they need to do these things. Yeah, I love that change ahead, of the Miami. I love that change of the career exploration element to what you're talking about. Um they, you can get support through guidance um, to look at different career opportunities. And there's work-based learning programs too, where they can explore potential work in real work settings. So I love that add-on, Jen. How much success do you, do you guys see with sort of outside organizations offering employment opportunities? Is there, is there enough sort of corporations out there that say, hey, we could probably create X amount of positions or in different departments, things like that, that would be sort of a way to bridge the gap and introduce people to, you know, a, a whole new sector of, of work opportunities? Or is it is it a limited, is it a limited amount of, of sort of options that sort of are presented to these to these guys? I'm going to say right now, it's still limited, but it is expanding okay. very fast. So, but it's expanding sometimes for a certain part of the spectrum. So Google and Dell, SAP, Ernest & Young, they all have specialized programs where they have trainings and internships, and then that can evolve into full-time positions, but they are for the kiddos that have certain skills. skills yeah. So there is a deficit in the, probably the middle ground, like not going to go to college, but really got some great employment skills. Um, and then the more impacted, we still have some of those jobs that we can fill through, you know, maybe the more repetitive positions, those are a little easier to find. There's still kind of a gap, but what's great is that just eight years ago, we didn't have any of that. Yeah. So I think they're finding the validity of these kids of, they are so loyal. They, you know, and not, I hate when I hear this, they all like repetitive work. No, they don't. Yeah. No one, <laughs> no one does. <laughs> you know, some like repetitive work, some, some want a variety, some are very gregarious and have personalities and want to be customer facing, you know, and some don't. And so, yeah. you know, they're all, you know, there needs to be jobs for the whole spectrum. Sure. And I think we are, I think we are getting closer and closer um, because people are also, you're seeing in a film, you're seeing in movies, you're seeing autism speaks has been doing things. You guys have been doing things. It's like, 
they're starting to get out that employment is such an important and key part of transitioning to adulthood. And, you know, what you do for a living is your identity. Yeah. It's also your uh, social circle. Right? Sure. That's, I mean, I have one friend, her name's Ivy. I mean, that's just kind of <laughs> how my life is now. You know, you have, you have your work friends, the older you get. Uh, so that, that's, that's a great point. I'm grateful uh, for my work friend and Tim. Okay. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> You know, but you bring up a great point. Uh, I think I read um, Netflix is dedicating $100 million to increasing sort of neurodiverse characters or shows based on neurodiversity over the, I don't know how many years they're planning on doing this. You know, so it's, it's not just a, hey, here's a show about autism or, hey, here's just a show that has this one, you know, nephew that has autism but it's, it's expanding it beyond that. And I think that's a great, that, that's a great thing for, you know, the community because the, the more you see things on TV, the more sort of, hey, yeah, okay, I've seen that before. I know all about this now. I mean, not, you know, all about it, but you have better exposure to then in the real world say, okay, yes, this is someone that I can bring into my organization or, or whatever the, the case may be. So is there a way for, for people to, to, for, you know, companies to be more uh, connected with whatever sort of government um, systems are, are out there? Do you have an idea about how that works or am I sort of going down a path that's a little too complicated? No, I mean, that's actually something I'm seeing more and more. They're coming to, you know, health and human services and partnering. I know they're coming to um, VR um, and partnering with us. Um, I have lots of corporations that come in because we, you know, we train the, the kiddos. We provide um, job coaching support. We, we, we also provide uh, ABA treatment and a lot of clinical things for them. And so it behooves them to come to us because we make sure they're ready to go on the job. And then they don't feel so intimidated like, well, what do I do if, you know, he freaks out? What, what yeah. do I do if he doesn't know how to, you know, if we have a new manager and he doesn't know how to handle the change? Well, we can step in and help them. And then it also takes that fear factor out and they fall in love with them and they sure. realize what a great job they are because we do not, this is not a charity case. We do not sure. want accepting our kids because they're cute. Yeah. We want to accept them because it makes good business. Sense. And, yeah. um, and I think that's important. Um, I do want to step back at some point and talk with some very specific you know, strategies on helping parents step-by-step that make a huge difference in how they transition. And I know Ivy is going to, we've had this discussion before. (laughs) Have at it. Well, I think it's because it's scary when you think of, oh God, how do I get them up to adult? Like you're thinking, hmm, I think they could move out. I don't, but you don't know how to do it. I think they could have a job, but I can't fathom them right now. What do I do? Well, so like the example for what I used for, for my kiddo, Kevin, when he was 18, I was like, okay, I can see him moving out about 20. Like I had that in my head and you need to tell them, you kind of, you need to start with the end Start of talking Otherwise, about it. Start talking about it because then they know, okay, I am going to move out. And they know I'm not, I always used to say, I'm not going to push you out the door unless you're ready. Like I may, you may be uncomfortable, but I know you're going to be ready. I'm not going to just throw you outside. And so he had that in his head and you know how they're very rule-based and they need to prepare themselves and get that transition going. So he had it, but then we started doing things like, he got his first paid job at 18. And so he worked on that and I didn't do any other skills, but like learn how to work because you're going to do autistic things, (laughs) you know, like you're either, you know, we have to kind of get through that. Then at 18 and a half, I'm like, okay, well, you know, you're kind of my roommate now, you know, you're over 18, you you know, and he didn't need 18 plus. That wasn't what he needed at a time because he was working. 
And I said, so you're going to pay me rent and bills. And then I'm going to give you some money and you're going to do all your breakfast and lunch and I'll do dinners, but you need to learn how to, what, what does that money get you? And then, you know, the $5 of popped air that they buy <laughs> stopped happening because he started like, Oh God, I have no money if I don't. Yeah. So it's these little responsibilities. And then um, we started increasing work hours. And then like at 19, he we said, okay, we're going to try to drive. So we drove a little bit. And then by the time he was 20, I moved him a mile away that I can still parent. Right. And then let him settle into, you know, taught him some different, just like two or three different dinners that were easy, like hamburger helper, you know, spaghetti little at a time so that he can do it. I mean, what 20, you know, year old male cooks. <laughs> I mean, Lucas, Lucas can, can jump on, but he's a, he's a college student, but I think you're right. I mean, it's, you know, you eat the same four things anyway, until you get a little older. So that's not even right. That, that, you know, sort of limiting of a, of a, of a diet. So. So I just get him things that he can microwave. I make sure he can't be able to, you know, I said, it'd be great if you could eat some veggies. But again, I didn't push it because he's 20 year old and, and how many college kids are eating a lot of veggies. Right? Yeah. But they do things they still going to do. Like I call them, they do the autistic things. And like one thing he did is I found out he sent $200 um, to somebody in California who present, who was, um, who promised to send him energy through his computer. It wasn't me. I know I'm in it California. Wasn't you. It wasn't me. <laughs> so I had to, I had to intervene and, you know, he was researching and getting himself engrossed on the internet and they fall prey to these scams. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, parents need to understand they're going to mess up. It's, a, but, but that's okay. All kids mess up. You, you know, yeah. you, you let your college kid go and mess up, you know, you're neurotypical, but why wouldn't you, your, your autism. Sure. I kept him still within arm's reach, but it's gonna I really happen. love, I really love Jennifer, how you uh, allowed the opportunity to really focus and practice on making, um, you know, his own choices and taking responsibility uh, for decisions and, and treating him like that, an adult. I think yes. that's also like a key thing that always jumps out when, when we talk, you're an adult, I'm going to treat you like an adult because it's probably real easy to just keep it safe and sound and, and not do those things because it's less less work for you in the short term, but probably a lot more work in the long term, but you, you thought it through. So sorry, Ivy. No, well, there is definitely an element of risk, but like in life, you have to take some risks to, to, uh, to develop and grow and be, um, you know, be the person you're meant to be in this world. So, um, I, I, I would probably, um, ask parents that are listening to think about how they could safely, um, start designing opportunities for um, early on to practice making choices and practice yeah. talk, talking about communicating and, and whatever um, whatever mode is best for them, and their needs and wants, because that goes a very, very long way um, in adulthood. Sure. And don't try to boil the ocean. Don't try to do everything at once. Here's your new apartment. Go make it work. You, you, oh, stag yeah. you staggered it and you staged it and it went, you know, obviously you, you know, if you one step forward, two steps back, probably here and there, uh, but you learn from it and, and you move on, you know, and, and obviously there's not everyone has that ability to be that level of independence. So, you know, obviously there's, there's different avenues, but you can start, how do you train your, you know, your son or daughter who might be headed more for a, a, a group living situation, you can start to work with them to be 
a part of a community like like that as, as well. So it's not just about gaining independence, it's about where do you, and I think you've sort of touched on this, where do you see the most realistic and you know sort of landing landing spot and then building your expectations. And adjusting and adjusting your expectations because I mean I where he was at 14, 15, he was going to go to a group home. I mean, he was that level, right? There was, it was, I didn't know how independent he could be. So it was like the shaping and like, okay, I think we can do this. I think we can do this. And I had no problem if he needed to go to a group home. Um, honestly, it's really difficult to, to, to get them to an apartment because they're isolated. I mean, that's, that's the good and the bad. I mean, at least in a, in a, a, a facilitated group and you know, that's why it's wonderful when parents get together. I honestly think it's better when parents get together and, and, you know, can do a house, can do an apartment, but they're isolated. They may be neurotypical, but he's isolated because he's not going to go out and just find friends. How is he going to do that through his work? It's difficult. And then also don't, don't um, say they don't, you know, they're not going to be able to drive. Think about driving is that you don't, they don't have to be on highways. I taught him yeah. to drive across the street and back. And, and I lost a lot of hair. I probably drank a lot of wine because it was really scary because it was so literal. And, but I mean, I, he, I moved him across the street from his work so that he driving is something that's very difficult for him, but we, you know, he could do it across the street and back street and back. And if it rained, I was freaking out because that was something different. And I know it caused him anxiety. Um, He doesn't drive anymore because he really just cannot handle more than very simple driving that he rides a scooter electric scooter he lives a mile away from his okay. work now and and um he loves it and he used to take the bus when COVID hit I was like mm, I really want you on a bus and you're only a mile away so uh, one of his um, stimulus checks he used and a nice electric scooter takes him 15 minutes to get to work and he's independent yeah. so kind of you get to alter your what is independence right and what is transportation and not knock everything out you know yeah that's that you know that's that's a huge thing going on in my house right now because I have a 15 year old and just your the the losing hair I'm so anxious about it with my 15 year old um, you know so yeah it's I'm sure that's a universal across the board Absolutely. parental thing but obviously knowing that my son will you know sort of either be brave enough to do it or not but the this you know sort of the the, the skill set and everything should should make it a lot lot easier for him but it is it's a nerve wracking thing when you have to give up the things that you've always had control over to not be allowed to have control because you know it's in the best interest of their growth and development, even if you wanna kind of keep them keep them close and, and, and shelter them. So that's great. You know, I think you did mention, um, you know, that that changing your expectation. And I think it's, it's something that I stress to you that I wanted you to bring up because you, did such a good job of talking about it in our in our fake conversation we had a, a few months ago that that was never never to be heard from again but i think it's one of the, the the biggest takeaways is you know you changed your perception in the other direction mm-hmm. ah this might not go where i want it to go and suddenly something changed and you were able to but you had to adjust but obviously the opposite can can be true as well and, and as hard as that is to sort of conceptualize and deal with it it's really important that you do sort of have a realistic expectation of, of where things are headed and then adjust your plan as, as you move forward so I, I think that's fantastic fantastic advice um, I really for want all parents, parents. We're definitely for all parents but I think we 
we as a society, we, we knew 18. Okay, 18, you're out, you're up, okay. you're yeah. going to college, or you're going to work, you're doing this. Yeah. Okay, well. Go buy a lottery ticket and enlist in the army, you're all set. Right, at 18, yeah. this magical thing happens, right? Okay, I feel like we have to let that go. I don't care if they're 18. I'm not saying not to hold the expectations, but to go, maybe at 20 or 21, they're actually now ready to go take a couple classes at the community college or go through a vocational program. But just understand that it's, it's, do not rush. There's no rush to be at 18. They have to be fixed. That They have to be independent. They have to have all these skills. And then also don't rush the school system. There's too many of our, our districts that are pushing them out. And they don't have to be these life skill kids who can do um, extended, you know, you know, 18 plus programs. They legally have the right if they've had modifications in their program. And it, and it says, at least in Texas, to graduate them, they, you have to show employability skills yeah. that have little supports, that you don't need a lot of supports. And if you can't, then why not take an extra year or two to, to explore while you're here in school? You can be exploring those vocations, working on these social skills. That is the number one reason you'll lose a job yeah. with social skills. And the ones that uh, we struggle the most in, in the agency to get a job are the ones that have two or three degrees because they have flown under that radar and they didn't really get a lot of treatment and they were able to just do what they were good at, which is academics. Sure, academics work on. Yeah. yeah. But not work on that social skills that is going to get you fired. Yeah. You know, you know, and I think it goes back to Ivy's point, uh, you know, and Ivy in our little world, you know, when you work with insurance and you're writing treatment plans, you're, you know, you, you're supposed to be producing it sort of an exit strategy. You know, and maybe that's something that that families. I know there's like you know, you know, all that built into an IEP, but maybe families should be starting to like form their own little. What's my plan? How do I start yeah. planning this? And what, when, and who do I start asking the, these questions to? I think it goes to your point, Tim, earlier when you said what's missing, and this is a perfect example of kind of rushing through the process. Like let's like eighteen is this magical time and graduate and everything's going to be whatever it's going to be, but there, there are times, uh, you know, the 14 and 16 and times before that to really slow it down and focus on what's important and social skills, soft skills, extraordinarily important. So um, what's in place for that? I know we have transition and employment um, designees. I think they're called TEDs. And so do you have one of those people, do, you know, uh, this can involve like the um, soft skills aspect. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think we need to do a lot more of that and a lot more of a realistic um, career expectations. And if we can hit those a little bit harder versus just only looking at academics, I think we'd be uh, fully taking advantage of someone's development opportunity. So I, I know we're probably getting short on time, but I'm thinking about like, so the school district that my kids are in, so if I, it's, it goes K to six and then they switch school districts and it's seventh through 12. So if I had a fifth grader, would they even, would the fifth grade IEP team really even be able to talk about this stuff or would it all start as they transition to middle school and high school? Like, are, are they educated enough to, to know uh, how the whole system works, or do you sort of have to wait as you hit different levels? 
I think a teacher would be really important to know at that age, you can say, what subjects do you like? Because you start to kind of pick electives, right? What are you, you're good at science. Well, let's make sure that you're in, you know, that the, your favorite kinds of science. And then maybe you can volunteer, you know, maybe, mom, hey, they, they say, hey, did you know that we have a lab assistant that we allow to come in, you know, or they like computers. So there's always, you know, computer tech people. I know Kevin was one of his first little jobs, like I think in ninth grade or something, they let him be the assistant guy who brought in the paper. He said nothing to nobody. <laughs> he walked in, walked out, but it was, it was something. And so just, just developing their interests, okay. um, you know, cause that's, that's important. What am I good at? And to stop always focusing on the label, you know, a lot of times that's becomes I'm autistic. That's my identity. And that's fine. If that's what they choose to do when they're, when they're an adult, to say that's my identity, but as a child, okay. I I caution that because I always would say, we talked, he knew he had autism, but I would always say, what are your strengths and what are your struggles? Because everybody has them. Like, I don't care mm -hmm. what label you have, what is your strengths and what are your struggles? And let's be realistic about them. Let's work on your, your struggles, but let's, you know, focus on your strengths. And I think that's important. We, we don't, sometimes we focus on all the negative, I think, with this, yeah. you know? Yeah, the limitations. You focus mm -hmm. on that rather than the possibilities sometimes, and that's that, that's a little bit more than tragic, I, I, I guess. You know, I'd love to. I know we're kind of we're, we're running out of time here, but I would love to have also like a sort of a, a, a separate conversation around the social socialization aspect of your, you know, a, an adult child. Uh, what are those avenues? How do you, outside of work, or you know, maybe work plus. Um, you know, dating, you know, it's just going to bars, uh, you know, those sorts of things like, you know, what, what are those options and, and how can, can parents help their, their kids find, find those avenues as well without sort of creating all, you know, anxiety or, or situations where they, they're, they're in over their head or, you know, whatever that the case may be. So that would be a, an interesting conversation. Well, I've, got, I've got some stories, Tim. Okay. <laughs> you know, we can just do story time with Jennifer. It'd be perfect. Well, no. hey, I, there's some things he's confessed that he's done that I went, oh, 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 I did not know that you would do that. Yeah. And I didn't prepare you for that. And so, um, but that's what happens and that's, yeah. that's life. But I think that was, that's a, very good conversation because um, it is a very different world when they graduate and they don't have that school buddies. And then yeah. if they have work buddies and even if they're in clues, my, you know, my kid works for my agency, he's a mail clerk and he is, and he's in the downtown office and he's hobnobbing with commissioners and they <laughs> love him and he's talking, but those aren't his friends. So there's yeah. that unintended consequence of being fully inclused is that sure. those are not going to be the people he calls up. They're not going to be an IV in town, you know, sure. don't have a beer. They're just not. So yeah. there's, there's, there is some things that should be talked about. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. You know, not all, not all work relationships are created equal. You know, mm -hmm. there's some things you just, you'll say to some people, but you wouldn't say to others, or you trust this person more because you've gotten to know them better. Um, but it doesn't mean you're necessarily, friends once the you know that the clock hits five o'clock or, or whatever and that can be a confusing sort of dynamic mm -hmm. at times I think <sighs> any that's last an thoughts okay oh, i Go think ahead, that's Ivy. an excellent topic i think we can i think we easily talked about like 30 different ways you could actually just focus on and help you know it's there's so much out there and i love that topic um so we'll see if we can make that happen well um we have gone way over our scheduled time. And I, I hope that doesn't 
mean that uh, we, we lost anybody because this was a really fascinating conversation. I could actually keep going, um, but we usually try to shoot for about 25 minutes. I think we're, we're well, well over that. So um, I do want to have you guys back and I do want to have this conversation. And, you know, I don't know if Kevin's open to jumping on and, and sharing some of his experiences as well, because I think that could be really fun, fun as, as well. Maybe not with you in the room. Uh, we could, you know, get you out. Oh, so, uh, he, he, I, we got no secrets. <laughs> and he, like, he actually comes and does speaking um, uh, gigs with me. So cool. that's, that sounds really fun. I, I would love, I would love to do that in the coming weeks um, and, and, and get that, get that uh, information out there. Cause I think those sorts of those topics are really important, but thank you so much guys. The, the, the wisdom and the, and the insight was amazing today. Um, so thank you for jumping on and I appreciate your patience with us actually getting this finally set and recorded. So um, thanks again. And thanks to everybody out there listening. I, I really appreciate you guys and the attention you give to uh, our little podcast over here. So thanks and have a great day. Bye.